Welcome to The Edge Podcast. The Edge is the weekly youth service of Victory Family Center, and our heart is to see this generation encounter Jesus like never before. Now let's check out this week's sermon. We're going to jump back into part two of this series called 2080. And how many of you reckon Caleb did an incredible job last week? All right, the best slides I've ever seen in my whole life um, were we'll, we'll flashed across the screen last week. That was absolutely amazing. But seriously, we honor Caleb. We thank you for his art, for his, the anointing that's on his life. And I know that you've received tons from him. And he's preaching again next week, which is going to be amazing, all right? Um, so make sure you come back. Make sure you come back, okay? Um, but one of the things he said, which, which was, I think, the thing that we all took away from it was he made that statement. He went, hey, you may love your feelings, but your feelings don't love you, right? And we were like, I mean, there were many things that blew our minds, like your love for pencil cases and all sorts of other things. But when he said that, it was like, man, we ought to recognize that while we may prioritize our feelings, some, our feelings don't necessarily prioritize us, right? While we may prioritize our idols or these things that we chase after, those things don't necessarily prioritize us. And what Kayla was saying last week was that if you want to make it to 2080 and still be in this room and still loving Jesus and still serving Jesus, if we want to make it to 2080, then we cannot afford to allow ourselves to bow at the altar of feelings and sacrifice to an idol of feelings. We've got to make a choice to say that feelings are not going to be my priority. Something else is. And if we're being real, we often, we often love things because of how they make us feel. You know, um, I, I love my bed because I feel good when I lie down. You know, I, I love aircon because I feel great when I'm in it. Um, um, that, those are physical things, you know, you, that can extend to relationships too. Oh, I love friends that make me feel good. I love friends that encourage me. You know, I, I love things that make me feel good. But, but how, how many of us know that just because something feels good doesn't mean it'll last long? You can have a really good feeling of buying a $10 pair of, pair of shoes on Taobao, but how many of you know that's not going to last long? Right? In, in two weeks, that soul is going to be clapping around while you walk. It's going to open up and all that rainwater is going to get in. Why? Because while it made you feel good, it didn't necessarily last. It's, sometimes, sometimes we're like, oh, I'll buy the cheap thing because it makes me feel good. How many of you love deals? You're like, you know, every time there's a Shopee sale, 3, 3, 4, 4, 5, 5, 11, 11, whatever. You're like, ah, you know, camping there at midnight and like smashing that button. Right? You want to max all the discounts and stuff. It feels good to buy something cheap. But sometimes... While it feels good because it's cheap, it doesn't always mean it's going to hold value. It doesn't always mean it's going to last, right? Because that's the, that's the trade-off. And, and what we learn and what we will learn over these next few weeks is that making it to 20, 2080 demands that we build on things that last. If you want to make it to 2080, we've got to build on things that last. We can't just build on things that will change or shift or go away. We've got to build on things that last. And, and here's the reality. Our feelings don't last. Our feelings change all the time. You can be happy with someone one moment. You can be angry with them the next. You could be cheerful one moment and one thing happens and you could be disappointed the very next moment. Feelings change all the time. And sometimes we build our faith on our feelings and then we wonder why is my faith not holding up? Sometimes we make the foundation of our faith, our feelings, and we go, I don't understand why my, my, my faith is, is not strong. 
I, I don't understand why my, my, my faith isn't lasting. Because we choose sometimes to build on things that don't last. But it is something that will last. And Jesus says it here in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. He says this, he says, heaven and earth will disappear or, or will pass away in some other translations. But then he says, but my words will never disappear. My words will never pass away. And there is something you can be sure that's going to stand the test of time. There is something you can be sure it's going to last till 2080 and beyond that. And that is the word of God. Come on. That's the word of God. That's why you got to read your Bible. That's why you got to study your Bible. We're sitting in a place like this, not just, not just based off a feeling or an event. We're here because the Bible tells us that God is real. We're here because the Bible tells us that God loves us. We're here because the Bible tells us that He has forgiven us of our sins and He's made a way to have a relationship with Him. We're here because the Bible tells us that God has plans and purposes and dreams for you, for your life. We're here because the Bible tells us that He's good. That he's faithful, that he's amazing. It's not, it's not a feeling. That's what the Bible tells us. And one of the things that Jesus gave the utmost priority to in his ministry was the Word of God. But for a moment, I want you to consider this, that while it was of the utmost priority to Jesus, sometimes one of the things that most often gets sacrificed at the altar of our feelings is the Word of God. Sometimes when the Word doesn't line up with what we're feeling, we immediately go, there must be something wrong with that. Let me just put it aside because I feel my feelings, they must be true. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the Word of God aside. I, 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 I want to I do this. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Right, go with me. Pull out your phones or your paper Bibles if anyone still has. Does anyone still have a paper Bible somewhere? No, not one. I think even if you have one, you're like, I don't want to tell anybody I do. It's fine, by the way. Paper Bibles are, gr- paper Bibles are great, all right? I'm less distracting. But Matthew chapter 7, um, we're going to read two scriptures, right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27, all right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27, it says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. I'm going to say you're full. <laughs> it's foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Right? That's Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And that describes what we've been talking about. That if you have the wrong foundation for your life, it's going to come down with a crash. That 2080, you're not going to make it there. Right? Let's read one more passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 through to 17, all right? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 through to 17. It says, But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. And you've been taught the Holy Scriptures or the Bible from childhood, and they've been given, they, they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do 
every good work. All right, we're going to get ready to pray in a moment. And I believe that as we pray, um, God's going to come and do something supernatural in our hearts. Because the Word of God is not just about reading a bunch of words off a page. I believe that as we begin to get into the Word of God, the Word has power to change and transform our lives. All right, so I want you to open your hearts. I want you to get ready. I'm going to ask, come on, uh, Faith, can you just come pray for us? We're going to jump into the Word in a second. Come on, come, come, come. Make some noise for Faith. All right, she's going to come pray for us. And I believe that God's going to speak to us. You're going to be better than that, guys. Come on. All right. Father Lord, today even as we gather here, Lord, even just being to open up our hearts and be so sensitive to your Holy Spirit, Lord, even just being to help us um, develop whatever we have taken away from today's lesson and you've just been to speak to us. In your name we pray, Amen. Amen. Come on, if you agree with us, shout an Amen. Make some noise. Alright. Now, one thing we've got to understand about the Bible and about Jesus is that the Bible's not just a good idea or like a, hey, you should read, the Bible's good for you. But Jesus, like God himself, all right, Jesus gave the highest priority to the Word of God. Jesus himself gave priority to the Word of God. Um, Jesus, in his ministry, as he was traveling around and speaking to people, um, he himself gave the highest possible regard for the authority of Scripture. Now, Jesus, in his time, he was going around and he was poking at people's religious traditions and, you know, messing with their traditions and, you know, are you sure that's the right thing to do? And people were getting angry at him because, you know, he was critiquing their traditions and stuff. But while, while he critiqued their traditions and the things and the rituals and the routines that they did, never once, never once would he critique the scriptures or the word of God. In fact, he regularly taught from the scriptures. It's found in the New Testament, Jesus quotes at least 14 different books of the Old Testament in the New Testament. There's probably more that Jesus quoted, it's just not recorded there. But he, he, he constantly taught scripture. Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says to people, hey guys, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses. He's talking about the Old Testament. I didn't come to abolish the writings of the prophets. I didn't come to dismiss them. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I came to fulfill them. Jesus is saying, hey, do you know what? There's a, there's a value that's found in, in, in the scripture. And not only that, but Jesus began to fight the enemy with the scripture when the devil began to tempt him and say, hey, Jesus, you know what? Like, if you would do this, you, you're hungry, you can have bread. And Jesus goes, Matthew 4, 4, he says, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone. And then the devil tries again, tempts him again, and he goes, nope, in Matthew 4, 7, he says, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. See, Jesus didn't just teach Scripture. He fought with Scripture. The Bible is your weapon. When you're struggling, when you're facing a situation, when you feel like stuff is coming against you, well, get on your knees and begin to pray Scripture. Begin to read the Bible. Begin to declare what the Bible says over your life. I, I, I want to put it this way, young person. You cannot believe in God, but not the Bible. It just does not work that way. The Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is the foundation and the basis for our faith. And here's the thing, if you want to make it to 2080, you've got, we've got to give priority to the Word of God in our life. If we want to make it to 2080, we've got to give priority to the Word of God in our life. I want you to see what Jesus says here in Matthew 7. We read it a moment ago. He says in Matthew 7, 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Anyone who listens to my Word 
and follows it is wise. It's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. What's he saying? Hey, if you follow my word, if you obey my teaching, it's building your life on a solid foundation, a firm foundation that even when the winds come and the rains come, that foundation will not be shaken, that house will not collapse. And he's saying, hey, do you know what? If you wanna, if you wanna last, if you want a firm foundation, it has, your life has to be built on the word of God. Foundations are the most important part of making a building last, right? That's why foundations take so long. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, you've had like construction opposite your house. Someone's building, you know, an HDB across your house and it's all dusty and noisy and you hear the piling and everything. It's like, it almost feels like they start construction and then there's nothing for like two and a half years. It's just noise and dust. And you're like, what are they even doing? Like, you know, why am I enduring all this noise and dust for? Like, this is there's no building. Like, what's happening? And then suddenly, after two and a half years, within six months, the whole building comes up. You're like, where'd that come from? Right? Why did it take so long? Because they were spending time digging and piling and building the foundations that would hold this building up. And some of you, you guys stay scary high. Like you're on the 40th floor of your AGB log or something. That's scary, man. But guess what? To hold up a 40-story building, you're going to need some solid foundations that will not be shaken, that will not be messed up, that will not give way, that will not collapse. And you know what, young person, this is the exact same with our lives. We need our lives built on a firm foundation. So here's the question, here's the question. What happens when the Word of God doesn't agree with my feelings? What, what, what do I do when... What the Bible says doesn't line up with what my heart and my feelings tell me. What happens in that moment? See, what I want to say today, and I hope you catch this now, explain this in a little bit, but it's a bit of a strong statement to say, but I'm just going to say it first and then we'll, we'll, we'll get to it, okay? Prioritizing our feelings over the Word builds a foundation for failure. Prioritizing our feelings over the word builds a foundation for failure. I want you to see what it says in Matthew chapter 7. It says, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, why do you not obey something that's in the word? Because I don't feel like it. Jesus says, do that. Nah, I don't feel like it. Jesus says, don't do that. You're like, nah, I feel like it. You know? and, and so we ignore the word of God and we go with our feelings, right? And that's exactly what's described here. Anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the winds and the rains come, it comes down with a crash. When we build our life on something that's shifting and shaking and sifting, we set ourselves up for failure. And you know what? And Caleb said this last week, we live in a culture that elevates our feelings above everything else. I'm going to speak my truth. I'm going to have my feeling. You know, and, 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 and we've got this, almost this idol of feelings that we bow to. And along with that, what we see in our generation today, honestly, is, is unlike anything that's ever happened in any other generation. See, in the past, sure, in, 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 in you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, three, four, five hundred 500 years ago, people would still argue about the Bible. You know, people would still disagree about the Bible. They'd be like, oh, you know, I don't agree with you. No, it says this. No, it says that. But primarily, people were, um, previous scholarship debates were dealing with the interpretation of Scripture, meaning, hey, this is what the Bible says. You read it this way, but I read it that way. We disagree. Let's, let's fight it out, you know. Um, it, it would be people going like, 
you know, I, I, okay, 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 this is what the Bible says, but um, I think it should be applied this way. No, you think it should be applied this way. There was, okay, there's a bit of debate, there's a bit of, you know, uh, uh, back and forth, but they will come to an understanding, okay, no, no, okay, this is, this is what the Word of God says. It's fine. You know, in, in the big things, let's make sure we agree. In the little things, you know, who cares if angels have three or four wings? Like, whatever, like, it doesn't really matter. My salvation is not going to make or break depending on the number of wings an angel has, right? So, whatever. But what's interesting is now generation... This generation doesn't just debate on interpretation of scripture, but the way people say is they 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 they, they would debate on on not just interpretation, but the inerrancy and the infallibility and the authority of scripture. Where previous generations would go, hey, you know what? Like we might disagree, but the word of God is still the word of God. We might disagree, but this is still the Bible, and this is what God says. Now our generation goes, I don't agree with you either ways, but are you sure this is the word of God? How do you know that the Bible is the word of God? How do you know that some guy didn't change it you know, 200 years ago and stuck an extra word in? How do you know that, that this is really, really, really what, 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 what God said? How do you know that some, some person didn't just put this together? See, it's, it's, it's shifted in our generation. It's gone from, oh, I think God meant this to, did God even really say this? And the root of this is pride. It's a root which begins to say, you know what, I know better than previous generations. I know better than people who have come before me. And so let me shove aside years of scholarship. Let me shove aside centuries of debate. Let me shove aside things that people have literally fought and given their lives from because I know better. Let me figure it out. Are you sure the Bible is real? Are you sure it's in there? That's what, that's what our generation does. But what you've got to recognize is this. You see, the strategy of the enemy is to get us to question what God has said. He, he, he's only had one plan and one strategy from the beginning. Did God really say that? In Genesis, what does he do with Eve? He doesn't go, oh, Eve. He, he goes, Eve, did, did God really say that you can't eat from the tree? Did, did, did God really say? What does he do? It, it, with, with Jesus, in, 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 while he's tempting Jesus, he begins to quote Psalm 91. Wow, it's like the devil's quoting the Bible, yeah, but out of context. He's quoting it, telling Jesus, hey, you know what the Bible says that, that you can trip and, and, and you're not going to fall. You're not going to stumble. God's not going to let you stumble. But Jesus is just like, bro, that's out of context. Like, it does not mean what you're trying to make it mean. His, his method has always been to make us question what God has said. God, God operates through speaking. He speaks to us. He spoke the world into existence. He spoke creation into existence. And what the enemy tries to do is try to make us question, did God really say that? Are you sure God said that? And you see, what we do when we prioritize our feelings over the word is that we're actually taking away from the word of God and saying, this part doesn't apply. Or that part's not for me. Uh, I don't really agree with this part, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ignore it for a while. But we're literally taking away from the word of God in scripture. But see, what you got to recognize is when we begin to take away from the word of God, we actually begin to accept that idolatry is compatible with scripture. When we begin to take away from the word of God, we begin to accept that there is an acceptable alternative to what the word of God says. And if we're being real, the only reason that we would take away from the word of God is so that we can replace it with something else that fits in our feelings, that fits in our ideologies, that allows us to stay comfortable. And when we begin to undermine and 
and, 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 and push away the authority of the Bible, what we begin to do is we're actually trying to make way in our lives for the worship of something other than God. When we begin to go, I choose my feelings over the word of God because my feelings matter more and I'm going to worship my feelings. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push aside the word of God and I'm going to worship my sexual desires because that matters more to me than the word of God. I'm going to push aside the word of God and I'm going to go for my plan because that matters more to me than the word of God. And we begin to set up something else to worship instead of worshiping God. Caleb dealt with this last week. And you know what's crazy? It says here in, 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 in Revelation 22, it says, I solemnly declare to anyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what's written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And there are many nasty plagues in the book of Revelation. It says, if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. It's a warning. It's a warning to go like, hey, don't take anything away from the word of God. And now, many times we read that and we go like, okay, like, I, I, it's not like I'm sitting down and like, you know, um, um, I'm cutting a page out from my Bible and go like, you know, I'm just going to exclude this and okay, pull it out. You know, it's not like I, I broke into a printing house and like you went to edit the Bible and like add extra phrases or, or change a word. So, so I, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good. You know, I, I'm not adding or removing from the word of God. It's all good. You know, I don't do that. No, no, I want you to see it this way. See, when he talks about adding and removing from the word of God, it's not just about like, editing the Bible or like adding an extra curl on the Hebrew script so it changes the word. No, no, we can begin to add or remove from the Bible when we choose to prioritize our feelings over the word of God. When we begin to say, oh, that part of the Bible, that's not for me. We're removing from the word of God. When we go, oh, this is how I feel. So I'm going to force this into the Bible and make sure it agrees with my feelings. That's adding to the word of God. We can actually do the exact thing here which we're so confident that we would never do. See, we want to recognize that the foundation of our faith and our lives is under attack. And that's the priority of the Word of God. And sometimes we ask the question, what happens when the Word of God doesn't line up with my feelings? I think that's the wrong question. The correct perspective of framing is what do I do with my feelings when they don't line up with the Word of God? Because what I do with the Word of God should never change. The place of the Word of God in my life should always be the same. It should always be a top priority but maybe my feelings need to get in line with what the Word of God says. Maybe my emotions need to get in line with what the Bible is telling me. And, and I, this is so important, young ones. I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. This is so important that, that we catch just the weight and the priority of the Word of God in our lives. Because without the Word of God, there's, there's, there's nothing here. But we can encounter Him because of His Word. We can experience His love because of His Word. We can come and surrender and know that our God is good and faithful because of His Word. And in a moment, we're going to pray, and I believe you're going to encounter Jesus. God's going to speak to you. Some of you here, you don't even know Jesus. You're like, oh, this is intense. God loves you very, very much, I promise you. Most people in here have made that decision, and you can make that decision today too. And you'll know why the Bible is important to us. But I, I want to finish with this. I'm going to ask Yannick, right, to just jump up on the keys. And hey, if you want to woo for Yannick, like properly woo, where is he? <laughs> He's over there. <laughs> okay. So here's the question right now. Now, I reckon um, we all understand the importance of the Word of God now, right? Like God be heavy. I, I'm sorry, but it's, it is a heavy thing. Okay, but the question is how, right? How do you prioritize the Word of God in your life? Um, number one, get a hunger and a passion for it. Some of you, you already love reading. Great. More power to you. 
read your Bible heaps. Some of you, you're like, I hate words. You know, uh, I, I don't like reading um, Josh, right? And, and you're, like, you're like, I don't even like books. What do I do? Like, ask God to give you hunger. Ask God to stir up a passion in your heart. See, God, give me a hunger for your word. Give me a passion for your word. I don't care how you read it. Read it on your phone, read it on a piece of paper, read it on an audio Bible, whatever it takes. I say, God, give me a hunger for your word. Give me a desire to go like, I, I, just, I just need more of your word. And you know what? If you pray and you ask, I believe God's going to give it to you. In fact, I believe tonight God's going to give it to you. And as we pray and worship in this place today, God's going to stir up a hunger in your heart for his word. Secondly, give time to it. When you prioritize something, you give time to it. What are your parents saying when they say to you, hey, I think you need to prioritize your studies. They're usually saying, I don't think you're spending enough time studying. I don't see you spend enough time studying. Some people are like, but you don't understand. Every time my parents walk in sway sway is the moment that I pick up my phone and they think that I'm not studying. But at some point, if you study enough, the odds are they're going to see you studying. Okay? <laughs> but what does it mean when they say prioritize your study? It means give more time to it. What does it mean when someone says, hey, prioritize family? It means give more time to it. So I'm going to prioritize the Word of God. I've got to give time to it. Right? Number three, you've got to let it carry weight. What's that? It's heavy. All right. Let it carry weight. You see, if we're being real, some things carry more weight in our lives than others. There's some people, they say stuff to you, and it's like, eh, you know, whatever. And then there's some people, when they say stuff to you, your whole world is shaken. You know, there's some people that come to you like, ha you look weird today, like, ah, whatever. And then there's some people that they come to you like, ah, your office is a bit weird today, you go home and change. Why? Because some people's weight, some people's words carry more weight. Someone makes fun of your hair color, ah, that's too brown. And straight away you go and like, I don't know, dye it a different color. Why? Because someone's word carries a little bit more weight than someone else. We understand that in the natural, we go like, oh, some things affect me more than others. Well, I reckon that the Word of God needs to carry the greatest weight in our lives. The Word of God needs to carry the greatest weight in our lives. Question for you, when was the last time that the Word of God was the basis for a decision we made? Where before we chose to do something, the filter we ran it through was what does the Word of God say about this? Not, will this benefit me? Not, how does this help me? Not, what does this add to my life? Not, is this going to be good for me? No, what does the Word of God say about this? And to be honest, many things that we're confused about, many decisions that we struggle to make become so simple once you apply the filter of the Word of God. Clarifies so much. And sure, is the Word of God going to make you uncomfortable at times? Absolutely. It literally says it here in Timothy, which we read, it's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong. Is it fun realizing you're wrong? No! It stinks to be told that you're wrong and be told you're wrong by a book, you know. It says it makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do the right thing. You've got to let the Word of God poke us sometimes. If you walk out of here just, ooh, happy every week and we're not doing our job because the Word of God should convict us. 
The Word of God should make us feel a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. The Word of God should make you kind of go, I don't want to listen to that right now, but you know it's you should. Right? Let it carry weight. Number four, and this is important, so important for you, learn to defend it. Young person, go take a class on apologetics from my LW stuff. Like, learn to defend the Word of God. If this is the foundation of your faith, if this is the basis of your life, if this is what you're putting all, if this is the basket that you're putting all your eggs in, you better know how to defend it. You better know how to stand up for it. You better know why you believe in it. Learn to defend it. If you haven't been taking classes, let the Spirit of God convict you now. <laughs> VFC.org slash LRW registrations open next week or something like that. Go get signed up today. This week, Darren says this week, 5th of March. 5th of March tomorrow. Go sign up. Shock your LRW coordinator. Say, like, what? Why don't people sign up for class? Great. Equip yourself with the Word of God. Equip yourself to defend it. Equip yourself to stand up for it. Lastly, and most importantly, guys, do what it says. Like, do it. it. It doesn't matter how much you study. It doesn't matter how long you can debate with someone. You can debate till the cars come home. But if you don't do it, it's not going to make a difference in your life. <laughs> do it. Bible says, Jesus says, listens to my teachings, those who listen to my teaching and follow it. You got you to actually do it. Timothy says, uh, Paul says to Timothy that the Bible teaches us to do what is right. Not just think what is right. Not just feel what is right. We got to do what is right. And when we begin to do the Word of God, that's when we can say, I'm giving the Word of God priority in my life. And we get a hunger and passion for it, which I believe God will give you tonight. Give time to it. Let it carry weight. Learn to defend it and do what it says. I want us to be a youth ministry and a bunch of young people that can go, you know what? I love the Word of God. And the Word of God is alive and living and it speaks to me and it changes my life. And I'm telling you, young person, you learn to prioritize the Word of God, it will literally change your life. I'm not just talking about in churchy spiritual things. No, no. At school, it's going to change decisions you make. At work, it's going to set you up in a different way. It's going to give you principles to walk in faith and victory and success. It's going to change your life. And that's it for this week. We hope you've been inspired and challenged to reach your generation for Jesus. Do check out www.theedge.org for more information updates and resources.